We are live. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. And we always start off with saying, before you kill yourself, please pick up the phone and call and talk to someone. Uh, 1-800-SUICIDE or uh, any of the other uh, million numbers that I've listed um, on the website or on iTunes. It's always in the show notes. I'm always putting the phone numbers in there. If you're a teenager, if you're a mom, uh, if you're dealing uh, with sexuality issues, there's a phone number. There's a chat room. There is, there are emails. There are ways to do it anonymously so you're not tracked. Um, but please reach out, call someone. And even if you're feeling good, if you're feeling good right now, if you're like, you know what, Leo, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to call anybody. I just want to listen to your dope podcast. I really enjoy listening to you. Um, then make sure you have a plan in place for next time you do um, feel like, um, you know, like you don't want to be here anymore, right? Um, I felt like that the other night, actually. Uh, and it was so it was so weird. Like, I'm, I'm here in Vegas, and we're doing shows here Monday through Sunday. And, you know, as crazy as Vegas is and as crowded and as many people uh, that are here, it's also uh, still possible to feel lonely and disconnected. <clears throat> and a lot of comics will talk about this, you know, being on the road, you know, it's very lonely. Or people are like, it's very lonely at the top. And uh, and so I had a, there was this window, man, where I think it was last night or the night before where I just broke down crying. And it was just like this a, a, a feeling of overwhelm and um, and nothing specific that I could I could uh, tie into. But I will say I have been fighting a cold uh, the past. This, this is day seven of my cold. And I finally broke a sweat last night. So I think. Uh, let me adjust the volume a little bit. Um, I think what happens uh, is that I've been off my routine. And anybody who's out there struggling with depression or any type of uh, mental illness, like having a routine and being structured every day is so important to our mental health and well-being that when things happen that throw us off a little bit, where we take a little detour. And I think it was a combination of, you know, I have a cold. And my schedules, my travel schedule has been really crazy lately that uh, it's just thrown me off because I haven't been able to exercise the way I want to. I haven't been eating uh, the way that um, that I usually do. And and so like and I've been more to myself because I don't want to you know, I don't want to get other people sick. I don't I don't want to get other people um uh, you know, I want them to get my cold because this is this is bad, man. Like my nose and sore throat and all that. So <coughs> uh, you, you hear that little cough is still lingering a bit. So uh, I've been more isolated than usual. I haven't been my usual gregarious self. And, you know, last night uh, when I was doing the show, somebody went to shake hands. I was like, I oh, will just fist bump. And I'm just like, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to protect you, bro. Nobody else needs to get uh, what Leo Flowers has right now. But how are you doing? How are you feeling? 
How, how are you doing out there? And I have listeners out there in Turkey. I have listeners out there, and because you know, I, I get the I get the analytics back, and they show me where the downloads are taking place. And there's just people out there from Norway, Finland, Australia, United Kingdom, Canada. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. And of course, all my people out here in America, um, and you know, my my top cities right now, top cities. Uh, L.A. is number one. We got Chicago, then Phoenix, uh, D.C., Columbus, Ohio, Houston, Texas. So I see you. I, I see you out there tuning in. I see you listening. And um, I hope this is, you know, getting you guys going, keeping you going, helping you thrive. I'm excited about today's podcast. Uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to do three things. We're going to. So I'm adding something to to that's going to be a regular segment uh to every podcast is so i love to read obituaries and i think i've talked about this before but my buddy who you know he's like 65 he just retired very wealthy and he was saying how you know reading obituaries allows you an opportunity to read about people who have lived a long life and um and, and have thrived and have overcome adversity and like what they've done. And these are unsung heroes. These are people, you know, if you read the New York Times or the Washington Post or even your, your local uh, obituary section, these are people who aren't really going to make the news per se or there's not going to be books written about them. But they're still leading these extraordinary lives. And not extraordinary like they're always, they were always winning and always on top. But just like all the challenges and obstacles, whether, you know, it was the first woman in, um, in the you know, NASA space program or someone who is trying to unite two countries together. We never we never hear about the background players involved in um, making so many things happen. So the obituaries is really a great place for you to find out about really, truly remarkable people. We're living these uh, full lives and full because, like I said, because they struggle and because they've overcome and, and they've had to reinvent themselves. And, and you find out, you know, these people are trying to get things done that um, they weren't able to live to see through fruition for whatever reason. But they made it their life's work to try to accomplish these things. So, you know, there's it, it also reinforces the idea of like, Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it because you love to do it. You know, do it because it it's it's not about the reward. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the, the parades. It's not about any of that. It's you're doing it because it's something you're passionate about. You care about and it gets you out of bed in the morning, it gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. And um, so let me go ahead and, you know, like, oh, man, just get to the uh, obituary. So I'm going to read um, obituaries and then I'm going to we're going to talk about how to prevent relapse. Right. Drug relapses, because uh, oftentimes what I find is and there's not a drug addict out there. There's not somebody who's addicted to some type of drug who hasn't at some time kicked the habit whether it's for a day or for a week, uh, a month or 
10 years and then relapsed like and, and hasn't relapsed so anybody who you know and i and i i know people who um have never um who have been able to kick their habits but it wasn't without multiple trials and errors and relapses like relapsing is part of the process because you're just not going to get it all right the first time. So we're going to talk about the nine different ways of how to prevent the relapse. If you're on your 15th relapse, then we really have to, you know, look at what are the things we need to do to uh, make sure it's your um, last relapse. But I mean that in a positive way. I think that came out right. And then we're going to book review. Uh, there's a book that I'm reading called Night Falls Fast, which is a book about, it is about suicide. It's about the history of suicide and and how the countries have dealt with it, but also has some really fascinating statistics on suicide and also on the treatment of it and what triggers it and, um, and you know, how to you know, ways that we can address it and and stay on top of it so that uh, we can we can live long and, and thrive while we're here. Right. All right. So very excited. And we're going to. So let me get to this. This obituary. Now, you know, this is the out the New York Times. And of course, it's like it, almost an it's like a half a page. This guy, Moshe Aaron's. He's 93. And this is what I love. I love when. Part of why I read, I love to read obituaries is, be, like I said, they live long, man, 93, and and still working and still enjoying what they're doing. So Moshe Aarons, uh, Mr. Aarons served, and I'm, of course, I'm not going to read the entire thing. I assume it's going to read you parts that I've underlined uh, just to give you an, uh, an outline of his life. Mr. Aarons served three times as defense minister and also foreign minister and as Israel's uh ambassador to the United States. A champion of Israeli self-reliance, he fostered Israel's aerospace program and became the godfather of one of the country's most ambitious, though ill-fated projects to build a state-of-the-art fighter plane, uh, the Lavi. Uh, a somewhat dour academic and a paragon of politeness and correctitude, Mr. Aaron seemed increasingly out of place in the hurly-burly of the Likud, Likud, I don't know what that is, but his ideological credentials and acumen continued to propel him up the ranks of the party, which swept into power on a popular tide. So uh, I want to stop there for a second. Um, What I love here is that, you know, basically he was this nice guy, and, uh, you know, the, the, the way because of, you know, the political atmosphere, which is very tense and um, you have to be really aggressive. Uh, it wasn't likely that he was going to survive or make it or thrive in that political atmosphere, but he was able to overcome that, right? Because of his ideas and his, his acumen, his brains, you know, people liked this guy and for what he was saying. And so he didn't have to be aggressive. So I love that because a lot of times people say, well, if you want to do this, you have to be like this and do that. And it's like, no, man, there's so many other ways for you to get in the door. And, and he's a, a testament to that. Um, 
What else? All right, Moshe Aarons was born in Kavno, now Kaunas, Lithuania. Now, what's interesting is Lithuania has a very high suicide rate, um, one of the, the highest uh, in the world. Uh, so he was born in Lithuania on December 27, 1925, and moved with his family to the United States at 13. So he came here not even speaking a the language. There we go, obstacle challenge. He graduated from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and served in the United States Army Corps of Engineers in World War II as a technical sergeant before leaving to fight in Israel's 1948 War of Independence. Like, this dude is just gangster, right? Like, he comes here to America from Lithuania at the age of 13 and goes to MIT. So that right there, you know that this guy is all brains. And then he joins the army. The dude with all the brains in the world is like, I love this country so much. I'm going to serve in the military. And then goes to fight in Israel's 1948. Like, the, the guy is loyal. He's intelligent. Um, I, I love this guy. So continuing on, he married Muriel Eisenberg and had four children. Yigal, uh, or they named the children. I can't, I can't announce these names. I'll, I'll destroy it. They and his wife survived him, as do 10 grandchildren and one grand, great-granddaughter. Man, my boy got married, had kids, killing it. Mr. Aarons devoted his later years to writing. In his 2011 book, 2000, wait, so he's, he died at 93, and 2011 was uh, eight years ago. So that means that at the age of 55, he wrote a book. You know how much you got to love life to write a book at the age of 55? Um, his book was called Flags Over Warsaw Ghetto. And, uh, and then he also wrote a political memoir in defense of Israel. Anyway, so I think we have a clear picture of who Moshe Aarons is. And, and, and uh, hopefully... I uh, convince you guys to start reading obituaries also because it really is fascinating what people do. And these are people we'll never hear about in, um, uh, you know, in a documentary or movie or anything like that. But, but they're leading these truly remarkable lives, as, uh, as I hope you all are doing. And sometimes we, we look to do things remarkably in big ways, but in very small ways, in very tiny ways, it's those daily tiny things that we do. The little things we say yes to, the little things we say no to, but the things we're doing daily and consistently that make the difference in who we are, how we feel, how we move, how we show up to the world, right? Just just little things, right? Quit don't out here trying to bite off the whole thing, which is... And I think that's part of why I was crying the other night and why I felt overwhelmed is um, I'm, I'm coming to a place where I'm trying to make a million different decisions at once and I'm trying to look too far ahead instead of just looking at what's right in front of me. And it's like if I just continue to do the things incrementally, my my thing is I'm always trying to do too much at once i, I want to do it all right now versus let's slowly build it over time 
slow transition. I'm, I'm, that's, that's where I, that's where my challenges in life are is I don't, I'm not good at transitioning. I like to make abrupt changes and then it takes me 11 months to recover, which we're going to talk about in uh, the book review of a night falls fast. And it is it, going to highlight, you know, why it takes me so long to get back on track once I've fallen off. But let's go into the nine things to help prevent uh, your drug relapse. And when we talk about drugs, it's not just drugs, uh, whether it's, you know, addiction is addiction, TV, porn. Um, but this is more specifically for drugs, but we'll be able to extrapolate some of the principles and ideas and strategies for other things. All right. So number one, and even though there's nine, I don't want you to be like, oh, you got to do all nine. Like pick one because nine times out of 10, ironically, because this is nine, um, there are going to be one to three of these things that you go, that's what I really need to focus on. So just pick one to three of these and just see how you feel. You don't have to do all nine at the same time, right? Pick one, focus on that, and once you have that, then go to two. Quit trying to take, when you go to college or high school, you don't take all your classes in the first semester. They space it out over four years. So that's what this is, right? Like, it's not about you quitting drugs tomorrow. It's about making sure that at some point in time, you eventually do quit drugs and don't relapse, okay? Number one, uh, you have to restore your neurotransmitters. The neurotransmitters are, um, they make you feel good, they release dopamine. And drugs, we go to drugs to make us feel good and release dopamine. So we have to find foods that restore our neurotransmitters so that then we can start releasing our dopamine again, all right? And the foods that are healthy with that are high-protein foods, typically, uh, especially fish. Fish, listen, fish, omega-3s, fatty fish are your friends, all right? Especially if you're dealing with drug addiction or depression, salmon is your friend. If you can get wild-caught salmon, the best. But any type of salmon, any type of sardines, um, tuna, uh, but get the tuna in water. Those are your friends. They have omega-3 fatty acids, which your brain needs to release the dopamine so that you feel good or at least even. So get uh, avocados, walnuts. Here's the ideal. The idea, the ideal would be if you had um, salmon for dinner, Right. And um, for lunch, had a salad with flax seeds on it or even flaxseed oil. Now, here's the reason. Salmon has omega threes, which reduces inflammation, which studies are showing is the root cause of depression. Inflammation is the root cause of uh, depression, according to studies. But and omega threes are what reduce inflammation in your body. So if we increase omega threes, right, in our, from our foods, and you can just Google the amount, the different foods 
that uh, will give you omega-3s. It, we increase uh, omega-3s in our diet. We reduce inflammation, which then reduces depression and helps stabilize our mood so then that we can then produce neurotransmitters and dopamine. All right. So number one, your diet. Look at your diet. Um, we and you have to cut out the sugars. The sugars, the more and the more protein you're eating, and the more dark leafy greens you eat, then the less you'll crave sugars. Also, so I was just talking to a buddy about this. Like, <clears throat> people think that their sugar craving is about willpower, and it's really more about lack of nutrients or being bored, um, and um or a lack of uh, you know lack of sleep if you have all those things if you have no meaning uh if you don't if you don't have if you don't find purpose in your life and you're not getting sleep um and you're not eating you're not getting the right nutrients in from your dark leafy greens and in your salmon or omega-3s then you're you're setting yourself up for massive uh sugar cravings okay so number one eat foods that restore your neurotransmitters, right? Because that's what releases the dopamine. Uh, number two, exercise. Exercise helps to boost blood to the brain so that you also feel good. It releases the endorphins and the dopamine. It, it, it releases the, uh, reduces anxiety and, um, and depression. It's just all around good, and you don't have to do it that long. Look, if you do uh, Google Tabata exercises, it's a four-minute workout, 30 seconds on or 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. So, like, 20 seconds of burpees and then 10 seconds of rest. And you can do that for four minutes, and you're done, right? Um, or just get outside for a 20-minute walk. Like, the exercise, you could do some band work, isometric exercises. The point is to be moving vacuum sweep the floor mop the floor do some dishes dust build something do something cut the grass walk around with the baby shake the baby don't shake the baby i'm just joking do not shake the baby play with the kids play with the dog get active get moving just stretch if you if you if you're at a desk get up and stretch every 20 minutes but make sure you're keeping that blood flowing to your brain or else you'll start to feel snacky and reach for your drug or this or that. And you got to get it out your body, man. Get it out your body. Number three uh, on how to prevent relapse, meditation. Medit so a lot of people, I think the word meditation scares a lot of people. But really it's about taking time every day. And I did my 20-minute meditation this morning, uh, guided. I, I have to, you know, in the morning, I need somebody talking to me. I do this 20-minute letting go meditation uh, for my addiction because I, I love, not that I love, but because uh, it's, not, it's not love. It's codependency. I'm codependent on sugar. And um, so I listen to a 20-minute meditation in the morning so I can, somebody trying to break up? Um, so I can center myself so I can feel grounded and, uh, be more aware of the decisions I'm making because 
A lot of things that we do, we do habitually. If we do it over time, it becomes ingrained, and then we just start doing things without even thinking about it. And what meditation does is it buys you space between stimulus and response. So if even just start off with two minutes. Just be like, I'm just going to sit quietly. You don't have to cross your legs. You can sit in a chair. You can lay on your back. And then every week, once again, it's all about incremental building. A minute every day. Just I'm just going to sit for a minute this week every day. And the next week we'll build up to two minutes. And it will be up to three and then four and then five. And it'll be a beautiful thing. All right. S- just sit quietly. Sh- just about just shutting things down. Or else you're just going to be on our phones all day. Right. Just going to be on your phone all day, tweeting everybody. Hey, man, what are you doing? What are you up to? We don't need all that. Um, number four, mind body exercises. So mind body exercises are great, like yoga, tai chi, boxing, wrestling, things that get you out of your body, things that get you moving, but also things that where you have to think about what you're doing. Like like standing arm curls is not a mind body exercise. You could you can kind of just tune out with that. But like if you're doing yoga flow or some type of martial arts where you have to be conscious of how you're breathing and how you're moving, then um, that becomes very beneficial. Swimming is a mind body exercise, right? It's very meditative. Me and a buddy were just talking about how when we go swimming, um, it's tough because it is meditative in a in a um, in a way of when you first start swimming, you're you think of all the things that you've been suppressing, everything that you've been holding down, all your angst, all your anger, all your um, your fears, your doubts, and so all that stuff comes up. Um, but even I and then, but if you can if you keep swimming and you stay with it. Then all of a sudden, all that stuff clears out, and then uh, it's complete nirvana, and it's a beautiful thing. And then you get clarity and insight, but you got to get the got to get the dust off first. You gotta gotta clear away the muck before you can actually see what's there, right? You gotta get that gotta get that varnish on there. So that's what meditation uh, is. But that's mind body exercises will do that for you. Um, number five, water. You gotta hydrate. If you're dehydrated, your body's not functioning the way it should be, and uh, things start to shut down, and then it just your body just starts wanting to grab for anything, when really it's just like, give me water. So drink water. Number six, uh, learn to reframe your thoughts. Instead of saying, oh, I need this, or like how earlier I was like, I love chocolate. It's like, no, I don't need it. I can survive without it. I can do without you. You know what I'm saying? I'm an independent man. I could do without you. So catch those thoughts. Don't let those don't let those thoughts of like, oh, I'll never beat this or this is always gonna be like this. Don't 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 let those thoughts just sit there. Like you are not your thoughts and you can talk talk back to your thoughts. You know, in uh the last podcast I put out talking about aggression, get aggressive. Be like, hold up, man, like you know, like that's not true or prove it or, you know, make your thoughts prove themselves. What do you mean it's always going to be like this? Prove it. Can you prove it? Can you read into the future? No. All right. Well, then you don't know it's always going to be like this. So, you know, have some fun, man. You know, if you ever got to get crazy 
write out your thoughts and write out a, a counter uh, argument. And here's the thing. If you can't figure out what the counter arguments are, write out those thoughts that are like, you know, you'll always be like this. You'll never get over the blah, blah, blah. And give it to somebody else and then have them write counter arguments for you. Ooh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Excuse me. I just thought it out on the spot. Beautiful. All right. Number seven, um, develop coping skills. And for stress, depression, anxiety, anger, um, this is Mui importante because if you're living life, right, or if you're out there in these streets, if you're in the arena, um, so to speak, then, yeah, you're going to have moments of stress, depression, anxiety, anger. And how are we going to cope with those? Are we going to we're going to go to food and drugs and sex and TV and try to zone out? Or are we going to stretch and walk or take a hot bubble bath or journal or call and talk to someone or reframe our thoughts or just kind of observe our emotions and see what happens. Sometimes it's good to just be curious about how stress feels. Oh, I'm oh, I'm stressed out right now. Okay. Well, if I'm stressed, let's let's see what happens. Let's just let's just sit here in this uh in this stress. I'm a real angry right now. All right. Let's let's check out. Let's check you out. Anger, how you where you at? You in my stomach or are you are you on my shoulders? You on my on my calves? Where's the anger? You know, is it in my back? Am I holding anger in my in my forehead? Some people like a lot of a lot of people, their skin breaks out when, um, you know, they're they're too emotional about, you know, whatever stressed or anxious about something. Sometimes the their body aches or their vision, they get the tunnel vision like to really observe. Like I get panic attacks. I don't get them as bad as I used to. Um because you know I started meditating but also because I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm doing all the things and I can notice a difference when I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing to to stay on top of it um and and to me it's not about getting rid of suicidal ideation or getting rid of depression it's more about how do I manage it like this is a thing this is this is me this is who I am I've so I've accepted that and so if I'm gonna if this is who I am how do I work with that it's like if you have a truck versus a porsche versus a minivan uh you have to take care of those things differently versus or i should say a truck versus a helicopter you know my buddy who uh flies helicopters you know a helicopter you have to take it completely apart every twenty thousand miles every twenty thousand you have to completely strip a helicopter all the way down and then rebuild it all the way back up Every 20,000 miles. You don't have to do that with a plane. And so I I look at myself as being a helicopter. Like I'm that thing that every 20,000 miles and and on top of that, you have to do a um, I want to say a 80 or 100 point system check before you fly a helicopter every time. Like every time, like there's this huge checklist of things you have to do before you fly a helicopter. And then every 20,000 miles, you got to completely break it down and build it back up. And I think that, you know, I'm like I'm like a helicopter. I'm not like a plane um, where there's just a few system checks and blah, blah, blah. I'm like the helicopter, man. Like, I, I have, there's a million things I have to do every day 
to check in with myself to make sure I'm prepared to take off and fly. And every 20,000 miles or every few months, I just have to completely shut everything off, you know, get off social media, uh, do a fast, all those things, and then rebuild myself back up. So number seven is coping skills and, and really figuring out how to cope with your stress um, and your, you know, your anxiety and your depression and, and writing that down so that you can see what to do the next time you feel, um, you know, the way you do. Number eight, uh, maintain boundaries. Okay. So boys and girls, I know I said, ladies and gents, I know I said I was going to do the book review, but my voice is really starting to kill me. Um, so I'm going to save that for another day, but I am going to finish this and then, uh, and, and then we're going to, uh, wrap it up there but i just want to make sure I, I gave you guys a little something for thursday you know january what is it uh january 10th um all right so that's number seven number number eight maintain boundaries boundaries um and then this is challenging right and w here's what i love because i'm you know i'm not the best at uh i'm very codependent uh uh, I'm not very good at maintaining boundaries. I'm working on it. That's what I want to say. I'm working on ma maintaining better boundaries. There's a lot of illegal immigrants trying to get into my boundaries. Um, surround yourself. So here, look. Surround yourself with meaningful people who support you um, and positive and positive people who, and, and you know, I, I hate the word positive in terms of, uh, you know, people who are just always smiling and like, hey, everything's great, right? It's not about that. It's like surround yourself with people whose values are aligned with yours or where you want to be, right? So, and you can do that through books, movies, even, you know, it's as important as, you know, what are you reading? Um, what music are you listening to? All those people are, are in your, in your boundaries or in your walls, right? Um, so friends, family, therapists, groups, even the teams, if you play sports, um, places you go, restaurants you eat at, cafe, cafe shops, the, you know, those are, are important because you're absorbing the energy of the environments that you are attending. So in, in maintaining boundaries is, you know, recognizing what environments work for you, what uh, energies work for you. If, you know, if somebody calls you and you, you know, you could immediately feel in your body language that is not somebody, then don't talk to them, you know, call them back the next day. Like you don't have to pick up the phone Every time somebody calls to talk to you or hang out with people, every time they want to hang out um, with you, you know, put some space between you and people that aren't aligned with the direction that you want to go and that you're going. Right. Um, so maintain boundaries. No one to say no and feel OK. Feel empowered. Feel empowered telling people, no, that doesn't work for me. Is there another way we can do this? Um uh, get back to me in three months or six months, uh, you know, whatever it is, maintain boundaries. 
I'm not comfortable with that. Whatever you have to say, maintain your boundaries. Protect your nine-year-old self. That's one of the things. I have a, a picture of my nine-year-old self in my cell phone. And I and I look at it every day. I go, I got you. I, I got you. Do me, I got you. I know, I know you didn't feel protected um, uh, at nine, but I, I got you right now. So maintain boundaries, protect your nine-year-old self. With that number nine, the last one, uh, and this goes back, Sorry, we had a little technical difficulty. Um, So number nine goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is have a daily routine, right? Um, Well, we get a little off. And and, and listen, your your daily routine doesn't have to be this big thing. It doesn't have to be an hour, 10 hours. It just has to be a thing that you know you're going to do every day. When you look at inmates, when you look at um, Nelson Mandela, prisoners of war, people who have been in prison for years, the way that they've gotten through it was they created a daily routine for themselves. And these people were being physically tortured, mentally tortured, psychologically, like tortured in every type of way. And the thing that they, that they said kept them alive was having a daily routine. They said the thing that was hardest for them wasn't even the, the physical torture or the, or the psychological torture. It was just not knowing when the torture was going to take place. So that is the importance of routine, of structure. Like I said, I do a thing called germs where I journal uh, for 20 minutes. I exercise for 20 minutes. I read for 20 minutes. I meditate for 20 minutes. And then um, I do some self-affirmation or self-talk or stand-up or something Something with an S socialized for 20 minutes um, every day. And, and and sometimes I miss days. And those days that I miss, I feel the difference. Because really what I'm feeling is me letting myself down, me not adhering to my own values. And, and you know, and I always want to feel like I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking my talk, you know, you know, especially, you know, but also, we're going to let you guys know when I'm not walking my talk. And because, you know, we're all human and we're all in this t- together. And like I said, there are uh, going to be challenges. And um, and that's what life's about, man. That is what life's about. Um, on another note, my bears lost. I'm very sad about that. Uh, I know you guys overseas are not big football fans. But I just want to let you know Leo Flowers is from Chicago. And that almost... Uh, that, that, that triggered me a little bit to have my Chicago Bears uh, lose in the playoffs like that. I'm very sad. I'm mourning. I'm grieving. Um, but uh, I want you guys, look, what, what, what's, what's today? Thursday? So look, your homework assignment, your homework assignment is to pick one of these things. Just pick one that really resonates for you. Whether it's, uh, f- you know, focus on your diet, uh, exercise a little bit more, meditate, mind, body exercises, water, reframe your thoughts, the coping skills, the maintaining boundaries, uh, creating a daily routine. Just pick one of those and just really work on tweaking that, 
refining that. And don't be afraid to ask other people how they do it. You know, I just went to lunch with a friend of mine today. And, you know, I was like, what's your daily routine? How do you how do you cope with, um, you know, stress? How do you deal with? And, you know, you know, and the funny thing is, is, you know, he's a very tough guy. And and he's like, you know, I like to take uh, uh, baths. I like to take bubble baths. And we were at Whole Foods and he and he gets one of the uh, those uh, bubble bath balls. Those, you know, like they, they it's like a, just a, a ball that you. Um, you throw in your bath and it bubbles up. And I was like, I can't believe this tough fight. Like he's a fighter. The dude's a straight up trained killer, but he's like, yeah, I need my bubble baths, man. It just makes me feel good. Um, so (laughs) don't be ashamed. You have no idea, um, of other people's struggles and what they're going through because so many people present this like life is great. And you have no idea how many people would love for you to talk to them and share with them what you're going through. A lot of times we think nobody wants to hear our story or can relate to us or we feel like we're the only ones going through it. But I promise you, you'll be surprised at how many people will open up to you once you open up to them and uh, and then you'll feel more connected. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share, please, uh, and rate it on or on iTunes and comment. I love the comments. I love the letters. I'm getting so many letters from uh, from people and emails of people who are listening, and I'm going to start reading those off um, in uh, future podcasts. So thank you for the love. Thank you for the support, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next Monday. Peace.